everyone, welcome back to Cole and Zach in the Morning. This is episode two of our incredibly high-trending podcast. We have over 10 downloads, so... Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't sent it to my mom yet. I probably should get on that. Yeah, me either. Oh, shoot. But uh, then we'll have 12 downloads. <laughs> yeah, then we'll have 12 downloads. <laughs> yeah, so I just got back from a Costco run, and it took me like an hour and a half. Costco is just so packed on the weekends. I don't understand mm. why I made the decision to go to Costco, but also why does everybody have to go to Costco on the weekends? What did you need at Costco that had to be taken care of on a Saturday? I mean, we were very low on all sorts of food items, so it was fine. I had nothing else to be doing, but I had to park way far away. And then it's just like an obstacle course trying to get through all the carts and people pushing mm. in. They must have a hundred people working there on the weekends. It's insane. I will say, I always have found that Costco is well-staffed. I've never yeah. had that issue, but also I have never needed help from anyone <laughs> at the Costco <laughs> staff. Like it's never been like, Hey, what aisle is this on? I ended up just going through the entire stinking store before I like just give up. I don't think I've ever asked a Costco member for help. And it's not like I know where anything is at that Costco store by heart. Like, because you yeah. came in also, I feel like you also came and predict what they're going to have there too. Yeah, true. Do you think that they really make money from people handing out free samples? Like, is it really worth staffing five to 10 people per store just to hand out free samples? I literally cannot think of a time in my childhood where we bought the thing that we sampled. No, me either. And we liked it too. Even if we loved it, there was no way that we actually bought it. I guess maybe it's for wealthier people yeah, yeah. <laughs> people that have money <laughs> you told me a middle-class family is not like their target audience for those samples <laughs> i think it may be like a part of the experience you know like the kids like going to costco because you get a bunch of free food and yeah. dad and mom like going to costco because you can get each kid a dollar hot dog dollar mm, 50 with the drink yeah totally worth it oh, oh very much so one of my regrets about moving to Bourbon, Illinois, I don't mean to give out my location on this podcast because... Yeah, we can fans. cut that out in post if you'd like. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I'd like really grieve not having a Costco because mm. um, their pizza is incredible. Their churros are incredible. And I also like buying clothes from there. Like yeah. I think the, I wore a pair of shoes today that I bought at Costco a couple months ago and I was not planning on buying that. That's the thing. I was never planning on buying those shoes when I went into Costco, but just because they were there in $27. Got to do it. It's a deal. <clears throat> it is a deal. My grandma always says that they get two impulse items every trip to Costco because they go up to Orland to go two? to Costco. Oh, I would get like an iPad every I know. Time. It's like it definitely <laughs> depends on what the impulse item is. Oh, that's self-control right there. I don't think it is because you can just pick anything <laughs> in the store and make it an impulse item. I would love for someone to start tracking what she's been getting like with her two items. Like, is there any similarity or is it always just a different type of like drink? Most of the time, it seems to be those uh, lemon chocolate covered peanuts. What? Yeah. Have you not heard of these? I've had chocolate covered peanuts, but I've never had lemon chocolate. I don't know peanuts. if it's lemon chocolate, but it's like a lemon flavored coating. They're called lemon cello or something akin oh. to that. They're pretty good. I would say I like them more than the average chocolate covered peanut product. Because of the lemon spritz? Yeah, you know, it changes up. Missing? It's like I'm going to put a peanut in my mouth. The last thing I'm expecting is it to taste like a lemon. So, oh, fun. 
So cool. One thing I remember you and I kind of laughing about was I was interviewing someone a couple years ago for a position and I asked them how well they get along with people that don't like them. And the response from that individual was, well, I'm kind of an introverted person, but God's working on me. Mm. And I thought that was so funny Mm -hmm. that I texted you because you're my one introverted friend. And I just said, Hey, have you repented of the sin (laughs) of introversion yet? And that kind of led to an interesting conversation. So I wanted to pick your brain about, have you ever felt like it was ever communicated to you when you grew up in the church that you had to be extroverted and that being introverted was not preferred? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's just where you get your energy from. And so it definitely took more engagement and intentionality to be involved in the youth group and involved in the church growing up than it otherwise would have been if I was an extrovert. But I mean, my parents were very involved and so it was easy to follow their example. I never really felt like I was being forced to be involved or talk to people when I just wanted to recharge. Yeah. But I am an introvert and like I do get my energy from solitude and from quiet moments, not from being in large groups. I know that we laughed about that and it is funny, but it also like I'm I'm a I'm a bit hurt that somebody has communicated to him that that mm-hmm. is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that our friendship is proof that the dynamics between introverted people and extroverted people bring about great things, bring about mm-hmm. deep meaningful connections. And I think like I was interviewing that student for a ministry position and You have been plenty involved in ministry, but I get where he comes from in the sense that I think when we think of the ideal pastor or leader in the church, we think of someone who is just outspoken and excited to connect with people and just fun loving. Like think of all like these things were like just Mm -hmm. this like this hype man almost. But also there's a lot of negatives to that and it's not the perfect model. And I think quite honestly, we're seeing a lot of repercussions from a church that valued charismatic leaders so much to where they were so focused on just being really well-liked or really excitable or maybe even a yes man at times that they forgot being able to remove themselves from situations, go into thought and genuinely enter into deeper conversations. I definitely have felt that where leaders, especially in the area that I'm at, leaders that are more extroverted or in the sense of like more energetic, openly energetic and excitable, they seem to be like the person for the job or the person to lead a group. And I really just don't buy into Mm -hmm. that. Some of the best Mm -hmm. people I've worked with, I mean, like given point like you, I mean, you being a really great leader and servant to the kingdom are people who are a little bit more reserved and maybe take a breath to before speaking about something and thinking about something a little bit more clearly before um, trying to impart their knowledge on someone. Yeah, I mean, I think we both, introverts, extroverts, anywhere you fall on that spectrum, you Mm -hmm. have something to offer. And you can be Mm -hmm. in a leadership role just as much as you can be in a serving role. Like your your status on that scale of introvert to extrovert doesn't determine what roles of ministry are open or closed to you, even though sometimes we do make it seem that way. Like you said, we tend to hire these extroverted, energetic people to be up in front. One of the ways that I got to serve in our time in college is by traveling on a worship team that would play for camps and retreats for youth groups in the area. You know, when you're at a retreat or you're at a camp, Like the expectation is Mm. that you are extroverted. 
Like, right, everybody's yeah. there for just a week and they're there to engage with, with each other and be in community and dive into the word. That's the main focus yeah. of everybody's time. And that was a struggle for me going from camp to camp, from retreat to retreat without a chance yeah. to recharge. But I also found that my introversion grounded me and helped me attend to the needs of the band and to the needs of those around me because it, it forced me to find the quiet moments at the camp or the yeah. quiet moments at the retreat. And in those quiet moments, you would often find somebody who needs yeah. to talk, somebody who needs yeah. like to get away from the extroverted party yeah. that's going on and just chat. And so, yeah, I mean, in a way, my introversion may have initially seemed as a disadvantage for a ministry like that, but I really think that it helped ground me in those times. Yeah, I have found that to be true. I really, I've loved the people I've served alongside who are better with like the small group one-on-one scenarios even. They tend to be, mm. yeah, sometimes they tend to be a little bit more reserved and um, especially in those big group settings, they tend to pull themselves back a little bit at times. But I've really enjoyed the intentionality. Some of my mentors in life are just really great one-on-one -on -one conversationalists. And because that's an easier energy load to manage for them. And I think like mm. recognizing where our strengths and weaknesses are within servantship or leadership is very, uh, very important. And I'm glad that you were able to find that, especially when you're traveling all summer uh, for ministry teams. Yeah. I mean, there's many parts to the body of Christ and... Yeah. Each part has a role to play. And I think we often use that to say like, oh, well, some people are made to be the brain of the body of mm. Christ, and some people are made to be the hands of the body of yeah. Christ. And I believe that to an extent, but I think we do take that too far. Like there is interoperability or interchangeability between the parts of mm -hmm. the body of Christ. And I think we all can play roles that are traditionally just preserved for either an extrovert or an introvert. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I really appreciate that student's heart in that interview because I think I think what he's trying to communicate is I know I'm going to have to push my boundaries a little bit and get outside of my comfort mm -hmm. zone in order to do this role well. And I really appreciate him in that. The best leaders also are very aware of what they're good at and what they're comfortable with and live into that really, really well. Yes, they stretch themselves in some areas. That's good and needed, but it's not something you have to always be doing because at the end of the day if you're always doing something you're uncomfortable with you're not living into who you're created to be so i really appreciate yeah. that yeah that's good